All right. Welcome back for another episode of Two Point Sports. Today is Friday, July 15th. Uh, welcome in. We've got a, another fellow uh, Sooner commit that just committed on Thursday, Dalen Smothers. We're going to be talking about him. We're going to be talking about a little bit of uh, Big 12 media days, you know, a little about what Venables and Marvin Mims and Ethan Downs had to say. And then at the back end of the show, we have an interview with 2024 four-star Mario Craver. Um, he's a wide receiver. Uh, he seems to be uh, pretty interested in might I might even say an OU lean at this point. Um, I know it's 2024, uh, but you know, you just have to stick around for, for that interview. That'll be at the end. We'll roll, we'll roll right into it. Uh, it was a pretty good interview and, uh, someone that I, I feel pretty good about. So you need to stay, stay around and be sure to watch that. Um, but before we get into it, just want to say, we appreciate it. We're at 4,500, over 4,500 subscribers going for 4,600 here in the next week or so uh, with an ultimate goal of 10,000 subscribers by the end of the year. So help us out, get us there. I know like over 50% of you that are watching this aren't subscribed. Um, so you might as well hit the subscribe button. If you keep coming back, turn the notification bell. We're going to go live again, August 1st, Monday, August 1st at 8 PM central. Um, so be sure to turn the notification bell. So you won't forget when we go live, uh, we do post Monday, Wednesday and Fridays at eight, at nine 30 central time. Uh, but you know, we've got an upcoming live and uh, you need to stay in touch with that. If you're listening to us on Apple and Spotify, leave us a review, help us out. Um, it helps spread our podcast around. And uh, follow us on our social medias, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and um, obviously Apple and Spotify. Everything's linked below. Uh, so we'll get right into it. So OU, yesterday, July 14th, picked up a commitment from 2023 four-star running back, Dalen Smothers, 5'11", 182 pounds, number 218 overall, number nine running back in the class. Went to Oklahoma over Florida State, NC State, and Alabama. Uh, as a junior, he had over 1,700 yards, 30 touchdowns. Um, a dynamic receiver joins the fold with uh, Caleb Hicks. Seems like the 2023 running back room is now full and DeMarco Murray has got his guys and not a bad haul at all. Uh, Brandon, what do you think about Dalen Smothers and the running back room as a whole now? Dalen Smothers is a stud. I mean, he's, there's a reason he's the top 10 running back in the class, according to 24 seven, he's comes in at number nine, but I mean, the dude had 1700 yards, 30 plus touchdowns as a junior. Um, I mean, that's ridiculous no matter where you are. He's, I think, back-to-back uh, North Carolina player of the year for the state. Um, but his tape is fun. He's he, he's a dude who's really hard to bring down. It seems like the first defender that to have a crack at it never gets the job done. He's able to make people miss. He's able to run people over. He's got a good burst. He's, he's going to bring a lot to the table. Uh, when you look at the running back room as a whole, I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to talk – I was going to talk about that in, in my analysis here, since we are analysts, according to uh, was it the Trojan Wire that said we're analysts. But uh, since so, so, yeah, since we're analysts, we are providing analysis. Uh, but yeah, the running back room to me is interesting. I was talking to my, to my younger brother uh, after the, after Dalen Smothers committed today. I look at it and this is just this is one man's point of view. And I, I kind of want to get your guys thoughts, too. So in the 22 class, you get Javante or yeah, 22 class, you get Javante Barnes and you get Gavin Sacek. You guys know how I feel about Javante Barnes. I'm pretty sure you're all in the same boat where Javante Barnes is going to be a big time player for Oklahoma. I think uh, immediately it's first year on campus 23 class. You've got Dalen Smothers and Caleb Hicks. I kind of feel like just looking at the tape and stuff that Dalen Smothers will come, will be kind of be that guy in the 23 class. So my question is, 
how much playing time really realistically does a guy like Gavin Suchek, like Gavin Sachek see in that Oklahoma running back room in his career or even Caleb Hicks? Cause I feel like, and again, one man's opinion, I feel like Smothers and Barnes are going to be those guys. I think Gavin is very different from the other three guys, Javante Barnes, Caleb Hicks and Dalen Smothers have more similar games to each other than they do to Gavin. Gavin, to me, if you're going to compare him to a running back, and I'm not, I'm not saying at all that he's to the same caliber, but he's a kind of a Christian McCaffrey-like running back where he can definitely you know, take the ball and run it, but I would rely on him a lot more because of his speed and how shifty he is on catching out of the backfield. I think we're going to see him be a bigger have a bigger role in that. Uh, maybe if you want to compare him to someone that's currently on the roster, kind of like Eric Gray and how he has been utilized, uh, you know, mainly last year and how I expect him to be utilized this upcoming season. He's going to definitely going to be a guy that's going to be relied on <clears throat> when we see pass, you know, passing plays where it's prime, the, where the running back is the number one receiver in the play. So I don't think Gavin Sotrak is in any way going to be hurt by these additions. I think it's actually going to help, everyone out because it's going to make them kind of want to play not obviously to a higher level. Cause now there's a ton of competition at that running back room where in the past it seemed like there's usually one or two guys that stood out and there's a bit of a lack of depth, but Caleb, I think has, I, I agree with you that Dalen's got a really big upside. I think Caleb has the opportunity to just just like Javante Barnes to come in and impact the team a little sooner because of how physical he runs the ball. Just from like trying to recall from his highlights, he's a pretty physical runner. He goes up, you know, downhill really aggressively. And he's just as hard to get down as Dalen Smothers is. And, and and I agree. I think Caleb Hicks has really good tape. And I think a lot of I mean they all do. I think they're all pretty good players. And I I would ideally like to see them all thrive. But when you look at it, Marcus Major is still there. 2022, I think Javante Barnes takes that leap. So 2023, if Dalen Smellers is that guy, and even if you deploy a two running back set, it's, it's in my opinion, again, Barnes and Smothers. And I can see the Sawcheck argument because he kind of has, had, he does have that CMC type feel where he can do a lot of gadget plays and kind of, you know, running screen passes or Texas routes out of the backfield or whatever. Um, but I, I feel like one of these guys ultimately ends up getting buried. That might be. Uh, you, you remember, uh, you know, this might be a sore topic to talk about, but you remember Relief Brown um, that obviously was committed to Oklahoma and flipped to USC. And the kind of the role that he was going to have is more of a kind of a pass catcher and maybe even playing a little bit of slot. I could see Gavin Sawchuck be in that, in that role as well to get on the field because he's that dynamic. They need to get him on the field. Um, Caleb Hicks, like you said, Jose, he's almost 200 pounds. Um, I think he's going to beef up a little more and go over 200 once he gets on campus and he's going to come in and, you know, kind of be the, the enforcer and the heavy hitter. And then you're going to be able to throw in a faster guy like a Javante Barnes or even a Dalen Smothers, a little more speed, a little more, um, you know, finesse. I, I, I really do think that Levy, while his offense is a lot of wide receivers can thrive and multiple players can have, 700 plus yard receiving years, you kept three of them and everything else. I think the running back room and the running back distribution is going to be, we're going to be running too heavy, like two running backs heavily. We're not going to be just a one running back uh, kind of place. And I think Marcus Major, we don't even need to think about him because 
he will either be gone after the season because he's going to the NFL or he's going to probably transfer. I, I just don't see Marcus Major hanging around for another year. Um, and I think Eric Ray also is on the path to go to the NFL. Another good, like one good season, he's going to the league too. So I think there's going to be plenty of time and play, you know, for, for all these guys to play just at different times. It's also going to kind of come down to an early enrollment period. I think we, we, I think all of us said that, right. With how Javante is going to impact this offense versus Gavin. I think the difference at this point is because Javante came in in January and Gavin enrolls in the summer, you know, Javante has got that six month lead on Gavin on impacting this offense earlier, but like, like Brum said, you know, those two veterans and, and Marcus Major and Eric Gray, they seem to, it seems to be their last season at Oklahoma. And, you know, that, again, that's just our perspective. We can be wrong, but I would, I would be surprised if they stuck around after this year, you know, either, either if they're NFL bound or they're grad transfers, wherever the situation may be, I think this, this offense is, is completely rebuilding and, and Gavin Sotrick definitely still has an opportunity to be impactful and, Comparing him to that role that we expected really Brown to have, I think is fair, especially with the frame that Gavin has, because he's not too beefy. He can definitely put on some more weight, but the what you don't want to sacrifice speed and agility just to put on mass and run the ball. And ultimately, depth is never a bad thing. It's actually a great problem to have if you have. I mean, but I, when you look at it, I, I think we have four really, really good running backs combined in the 2022 and 2023 class. And when they're that close, and they're, I mean, they're only separated by a season. Um, and again, one man's opinion, I feel like somebody eventually gets buried in the depth chart, at least for a year or two. Um, and then we'll see if they stick it out or what happens. But, you know, I'm not yeah. the coaches. We'll see how it plays out. That's just just an opinion here. And I'm and curious that, to see what you what, what you guys think, the the watchers. Do you guys what, – what happens in the running back room? Uh, what happens in the running back room? What do you think? Yeah, that could be. And it could be that Caleb Hicks comes in in red shirts or Dalen Smothers or both comes in in red shirts or, you know, something happens where they're they're not actually going to play um, their freshman year and they'll end up red shirting. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. And it also depends on the, the health of everyone around them. But like you said, at the end of the day, depth is great and it's a lot better than what it has been in in recent memory. So overall, Pretty pumped about this commitment. We talked about it quite a bit. Uh, we were watching the Instagram live announcement. Uh, I know, I think we all agreed uh, when he picked up the Alabama hat, I was like, oh my gosh, we're going to look like idiots. We've been talking like Dale and Smothers is having OU lean. I was like, oh no, we're going to have, we're going to have to like eat crow on this. And then obviously he, he ended up choosing the right team. So, yeah, I was definitely, it was a, a little bit of a heart dropping moment there where, it, I really almost felt like a big dumb dipshit. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So uh, overall, pretty, pretty good, pretty good first two weeks of July. I guess the last month has been really good for Oklahoma uh, going back into June. Um, still have a couple commitments, hopefully, that are going to happen uh, with a few guys that are going to be committing towards the end of this month. And maybe a, a guy or two that hasn't announced their commitment date maybe could join the fold as well or early August. Um, so a lot of good things coming and um, we'll be covering that as, as it gets closer. So now obviously um, happening on Thursday, the big 12 media days when Oklahoma showed up, uh, Oklahoma obviously had Brent Venables, uh, Ethan Downs, Mark Mims, Dylan Gabriel. Um, and I'm trying to think, am I forgetting someone? I feel like Washington. I'm forgetting. 
yeah, Woody Washington. That was that's who I was forgetting. Um, you know, some good quotes came out of there, and we were talking a little bit before we got on. Um, you know, Jose, you you brought up a good one. I want you to lead off with what uh with article you you found and, and what you thought was pretty interesting. <clears throat> we're talking about Marvin Mims here. Yeah. So I I mean, it's like I said, I before we started recording, I thought it was you know very good for Oklahoma, but could have almost been bad. Marvin said in an interview that he was very much considering transferring after the season if Lincoln Riley would have stuck around, which, you know, if you, for the USC fans that watch our podcast for whatever reason, I don't know why, but you do, you probably think that's probably the dumbest thing you've ever heard. But if you actually look at the statistics from last year's offense, there was no real number one receiver. And I think that's what really, then that that's what Mario or not Mario Marvin referred to. <clears throat> he didn't like that. He wanted more targets. And if you look at another guy that came out of his class recruiting class in Smith and Jigba from Ohio state, that guy was a number three receiver at Ohio state. He was playing with two first round talents and he was targeted 120 times. You know, Lincoln Riley, he's a good offensive coordinator, but last year there was something going on where he could not get the ball to his wide receivers. And I don't think that it's, on the quarterbacks, you know, both Spencer and Caleb, I think did what they could to run the offense. There was just something that was happening and, you know, people can speculate, but the wide receivers weren't producing to the caliber that like Hollywood Brown was doing in the past or CD lamb, DD Westbrook. None of those guys would have, I don't think would have been content with only getting about 60 targets. I mean, Marvin Mims has the ability. If you give him 120 targets, he can probably be the best wide receiver in college football, if not top three easily. Cause he just has that ability. And he mentioned it, you know, coming out of high school, he felt like he was unstoppable and it, you know, we all saw it going into his freshman year. He had an amazing true freshman year. And that, that's, I felt in love with his gameplay because of it. He just looked amazing as an 18 year old, 19 year old guy. He was essentially dominant, dominating the big 12 as a receiver. And then he has an off year. I mean, I think it's fair for him to have had that thought process, but obviously it worked out for the Sooners. We're not losing one of the best receivers in college football because of Lincoln Riley's departure. So thank you, Lincoln. Yes. Thank you, Lincoln. We are in better hands now, but another quote and the one that everyone's going to talk about the most famous quote of the big 12 media day. I think, I think Brett Venable's solo show with his, there's a fire hose in my mouth type situation. Um, but just, Overall, I think what you get from Brent Venable's press conferences, it lasted about 20 minutes, 21 minutes or whatever. Um, But I think there was only four or five questions asked in that 20 minute span because the way Brent Venables just elaborates on every single answer, every single or every single question he's asked, he elaborates for so long. Like you can just tell he's so excited to be there. He's so excited to, you know, finally have his chance. I say finally have his chance. He's been offered multiple head coaching jobs, but, you know, he felt this one was right. Someone asked him for the 30 sets for 38,000th time, why he picked Oklahoma. He gave that answer again, but you can just tell his excitement there. You kind of get the feeling that he feels like they're good. They're close, but they're not where they're going to be yet. He, he, he repeatedly talked about the way he judges uh, being successful as being better than where you started off at. Like you can tell it's going to be a journey. You can tell he's excited. Um, I think we're in good hands. And that was the biggest takeaway I took away from the whole big 12 media day. Definitely. He, he, def- he is excited. He's pumped about the whole deal. And, you know, it's just nice to see a coach that is passionate about 
a program as passionate as we are and everyone that's watching this podcast or 95% of people that are watching this, you know, we might have a few people that are trolls and just looking for something to comment on, you know, against us or whatever. Uh, but, you know, most people that are watching this agree, you know, love Oklahoma football as much as we love Oklahoma football. And it's nice to have someone that echoes that um, something that from his press conference that I kind of took away is just whenever he came in and what he tried to establish from the get go, you know, building the relationships and really teaching and explaining to every single one of those players and all the kids that he's recruiting now is what it means to buy into the program um, and just, just commit themselves to it and be all in, you know, like what Clemson does. Hey, there's nothing wrong with emulating what Clemson has done with Davo Sweeney, in my opinion. I mean, they've won multiple national championships. They're recruiting at one of the, you know, at the highest level, they're playing at the highest level. Um, it's really never a bad thing. And, and that's, you know, his big two influences in his life have been Bob Soups and Davo Sweeney. And obviously it's probably going to be a mix between both of them. And I, I just couldn't be happier. I mean, it just seemed like the, he was genuinely happy um, to be there and passionate. And he, he just feels like this is home for him. And that's another takeaway that comes again. Ooh. My bad, my bad. But uh, another takeaway, and it comes again from Marvin Mims. At least I'm 99% sure it's Marvin Mims. I know I'm about to bring up two points, and I know for a fact one of them was Marvin Mims. But I think Marvin Mims said uh, something along the lines of, like, we're not the outcasts. We, like, we run the Big 12 pretty much, or like we're here. That's pretty much what he was getting to, and it could it could have been someone else, but I thought that was cool. And I do expect Oklahoma to win the Big 12 this year. There's no reason that they shouldn't. And then the other thing he said that seemed to have OU football players going crazy on Twitter is he he, he alluded to being the best basketball player on the team. And I know Theo Weiss came from the woodwork. Uh, Eric Gray came out. There was three or four players who said this dude's lying uh, to all of us. So I would like to see OU football somehow see these tweets. I'm sure they do. They follow all of them. They need to arrange a friendly 1v1 off. Marvin Mims goes against Theo Weiss and Eric Gray, then whoever else commented to see who actually is the best hooper on OU football, because I think that'd be fun. And if OU football doesn't want to do that, you know, two playing sports can always get that together for you guys. Just, you know, reach out to us, Marvin. But outside of what, you know, those, those takeaways, he also was something that I really took away from. I think most of the player, all the four of the players said it is how much of an impact these coaches have already had on them personally. And that's, Clearly something that when we when we talk to Bates, Joshua Bates, and when you guys talk to Ozida, that's something that resonated with recruits, and that's clearly something that's impacting the current players. I think it, it was um, Marvin that mentioned like something that's big, the, one of the biggest differences between you know last year under Lincoln Riley and you know in the first six months of being with Brent Venables, those guys are out there for each other and they want to win and and do what they can for their teammates, you know just taking away and I'm paraphrasing, but it's pretty close for the most part, taking that, that little bit away from what Marvin Mim said just shows how I think it was Austin Stogner that came out when he transferred and said it was, it wasn't just, it wasn't a great environment. It was all very transactional um, and how the program was run. If you won, you know, good for, you know, great. You know, you're, you're increasing your draft stock and you're making us look better. And if we, if you weren't up to our standards and, you know, kick rocks kind of situation. And then uh, I saw someone, uh, something else on Twitter that Ethan Downs actually talked to coach Chavis about 
proposing to his girlfriend before he even did it. I think that speaks volumes to how impactful Chavis has been already to the guys because, you know, like personally, when I propose to, to my wife, I talk to my parents. I feel like that's normal for most people. You talk to the people you're close to. And Chavis is already a guy that's in that inner circle for his players. So uh, I think that's awesome. And I think we're going to see a lot more of that from the players, the recruits, and we're going to see a different, we're going to all feel different as fans. When we watch these games, we're going to see a different passion for the game. Not that these guys didn't love football already, but we're going to see something different. I, I a hundred percent agree. And I'm in the same boat as you, you know, I talked to my parents before I proposed my wife too. I mean, so I've would have, you know, if you, if you would have asked Ethan six months ago, Hey, you're going to talk to Chavis before you propose to your, to your girlfriend. I mean, that just doesn't even seem reasonable. Cause I don't even feel like that would even happen with the old staff. You know, that open if asked, family. Type if he asked Lincoln Riley, I think Lincoln Riley would have said, you know, do it. But if, you, if, if along the way you, you're just not feeling it anymore, just leave. That would have been, that would, that would, that would have been his advice. And that's horrible advice, I think in this, in this matter. Um, but you know, that's, that's what you get out of, out of good old, uh, where's he from? Mule shoe. Mule shoe. That's what you get out of fucking mule shoe is shit. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, overall, I thought the big Twelve media days was pretty good. Um, I, I also saw Gundy say that, uh, why are Oklahoma and Texas even invited to this? Well, you know, those are the two schools that run the big 12 and carry the carry the conference and who signs the checks. So they're going to be invited until they leave for the SEC. That dude was so butthurt in multiple answers. So yeah, he also, yeah, he obviously mentioned if it were were up to me, Oklahoma and Texas wouldn't even be welcome in these rooms, whatever. So he says that. And then he was also asked about the future of Bedlam. And he said, you know, he sounded pissed off about it or sounded not happy, you know, well, the future of Bedlam is one or two more years because of the. Uh, he said because of the because of the decision that somebody else made. I wanted to be like, bitch, you know for a fact you're happy that Bedlam is only one or two more years because why? I mean, you you're three and fourteen lifetime against Oklahoma, three and fifteen, something along those lines. Don't act as if you're so devastated that all of a sudden Oklahoma is not going to be on your schedule year after year because Oklahoma. you're saving yourself a loss. Like yeah. it's just. Oklahoma. Oklahoma offered and wants to schedule like an early September game every single year and out of conference game. And someone is saying, no, I hope you play them three more times. I hope you get them this year, this year, or I guess we can, it's only two more times, but three more times would have been fun because then Brent Venables could have gone to the sec with just as many bedlam wins as Mike Gundy. Well, it'll be 2022, 23, and 24 if they Shit, stay the entire time. There it is, time. boys. Let's just let's stay in for three more years. Venables run it up three times, and then he can go to the SEC with the same amount of Bedlam wins as Gundy. Classic. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Three for three. But something else that came out today, and it was about the Big 12, that, that rule about defenders, you can't put – defenders cannot push offensive players out of the end zone anymore. It's an automatic touchdown. That might be the dumbest thing ever. Not only is it making it harder for these guys to play defense, but when these teams, if the Big 12 can produce a playoff team while this rule is in place, it's going to be hard for the offense to probably a little bit more difficult, maybe not impossible, but more difficult for the offense to adjust to actually having to put your feet down in the end zone and not hope that defensive players you know, push you out. 
Well, I will say that that's only talking about on the front face of the end zone. It's not talking about the, the sides and the back. So if you catch a football and you're right, you know, like one inch into the end zone in the air and you get pushed back into the field of play and your feet never touched, that's when it counts as a touchdown. Not was talking it, about the out of bounds. Was that not a touchdown already? No, you have to put your feet. You have to, you know, if you jump from the field with the possession of the ball and you jump in. Drake Stoops caught a two-point conversion last year against Texas from Spencer Eller that tied the game 41 up on that but exact scenario you're talking about. And I'm pretty sure his feet never touched the end zone. I think his feet grazed the line. We'll have to go back and look at that because I, I I, put my notice into my job. Obviously, you guys know that, so I don't do anything at work anymore. I watch the entirety of the OU Texas Red, uh, Red River game from last, from this season. So I just watched the play recently. Um, and I, I'm pretty sure his feet never touched. I thought like yeah. – because well, you can dive and not touch and break the plane, it's a touchdown. Is it not? Is it not? How is that well, any different? Well, the, how it's any different is if you jump for a ball and you catch it and you possess it, and then you don't ever touch the ground. That's not a touchdown right now. Essentially, what they're doing is saying the the ball broke. You know, they broke the plane, even though the player never touched the ground. The ball went past that line. Which exactly. is still dumb because essentially yeah, still, in a bowl game or in a playoff scenario, that rule is not in place. So now these guys have to, if they're, if even if it's at the front of the end zone, they have to make sure their feet are down. They can't go hopping up and like trying to secure the ball like this or, you know, having getting a possession catch. And, you know, if they get smoked out of the end zone, it's going to hurt and they're not going to know how to protect the ball. This is why you're, you shouldn't, should not have different rules for different conferences. This is why there needs to be a single governing body of a uniform rule book for every single one. I, I don't know. I just think it's goofy that a conference is going to make a rule change that doesn't apply in the SEC. That's goofy. You know, get rid of the NCAA. Let's get these guys a commissioner. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So, um, no, overall, it's pretty good. Football's right around the corner. It's hard to believe, but it is. We're only what, like six, seven, eight weeks away, somewhere around there. Um, it's going to be here before we know it. So, um, you guys have any final thoughts before we roll into the Mario Craver interview? I was just going to say, stay tuned for Mario Craver. Pretty solid interview. Yeah, definitely. So, if you made it this far and you're about halfway through the video now, um, this is going to be 2024 uh, four star wide receiver Mario Craver. Uh, he's currently. Uh, un, uncommitted um, right now, and it seems like from our interview, uh, he has quite a bit of interest with Oklahoma, and in my opinion, seems to be an Oklahoma lean, or at least Oklahoma's at the top of his list, and I thought it was overall a pretty good interview to get to know him a little bit and build that relationship so we can maybe get him on uh, throughout his junior and senior season. So uh, we appreciate it, and be sure to subscribe, and we will roll into the interview now.